Welcome to the Equip Podcast. Here you'll find conversations from people of all different walks of life, sharing their experiences, the things the Lord has taught them, and things to equip you. Equip is based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that talks about equipping God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is our goal here, to build you up and equip you through seasons of ups and downs in life. Welcome back to another episode of the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson, and today I'm joined by Ashley Bullman. Hey, how are you today? I'm good. Ashley um, is someone that has invested a lot in me and then just in my growing up years. And so I was so excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, And she is married to Brian and they have two adult children. She's worked with senior adults and in senior living for 25 years now. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. It's a long time. It's like, you know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, Today, Ashley and I are going to talk about caring for aging parents. Exodus 2012 tells us to honor our mother and father. And we want to make sure that we're honoring our parents or our in-laws in the way that we approach this topic and care for them. I also just want to preface this with the fact that not every situation is going to be the same. Each unique um, parent-child relationship is going to be different, but I just wanted Ashley to kind of share um, some of her experience and advice and things that she's learned uh, over the years in this field. So let's dive right in. When planning for future care with our parents, where's a good place to start? Um, Having the conversation early. Um, What do you mean by early? You can never have it early enough. Okay. Um, Whenever you are caring for your parent, um, a lot of times whenever it's that emergent time is whenever the conversation starts. Mm -hmm. And then it's an awkward time to start the conversation. You want to have that early, you know, know about their finances, know that way you'll be able to know about the placement later on. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need to know what investments they have, what properties they have. Um, just start that dialogue early. Um, whenever it is an emergent time, then a lot of times walls go up and it's, wait, what are you doing with me now? Um, and just having that conversation to be able to respect them and their wishes for the future. How do you approach that conversation in a gentle way? Like if I were to go to my parents now, I'm in my 20s, my parents are in their 50s mm-hmm. and say, hey, I want to have this conversation. How do I approach that without them feeling like, whoa, you trying to like age me out of here and get me out like quickly? Right. Well, maybe even start with, okay, do you think you're going to always be able to take care of yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that you'll be able to hi- handle your finances forever? Um, because a lot of times if we think about it, we know, no, there's probably going to come a time when I can't. Yeah. Um, and so then you can start that conversation with them gently. Um, and then also getting involved with the doctors. Um, okay. It's hard um I know more about my parents now, you know, with being in senior living, um, about their needs and what they're going through health-wise, but just knowing that early so that you can walk through those steps with them. Well, and it seems like it'd be helpful to have a good relationship with their doctors so that when it comes time to manage some of their medications from multiple doctors, you know the doctor and can help in that process. Most definitely. Sometimes things can go on. medically as far as a medication and they may not take that medication because it makes them feel tired Mm -hmm. or groggy and um, the doctor still thinks they're on that medication and another one could possibly help so just walking with them 
through that so that if you see that going on with them, then you can help that at the doctor's appointment. So what I'm hearing is open doors of communication all around. Yes. Okay. Well, and as we talk about being proactive in this, when is a good time and a place for us to start for our own future in aging? Really the same thing. Um, As you're going through this with your parents, you may even want to start the dialogue with your own children if you're at that place in time um, to just start that process early. And like with your parents, um, something that I've seen and want to stress is that don't make promises that you can't keep because you don't know where your life is going to be in 20 years. Like, what do you mean by that? Some people say, oh, mom, you'll never go into a place. You know, Mm -hmm. I promise you, I won't ever let you go into a nursing home or assisted living. Or you can come live with me, you know, whenever that time comes. Well, when that time comes, you may be handling children and you can't do that in your home at that time. So just don't make promises. Just just. Tell them that you're going to walk with them Mm -hmm. through whatever happens. Mm, That's good. Um, So where do we start in the process? You mentioned facilities such as assisted living or even a full-time care. Um, Where do we start the process of researching facilities, getting legal documents in order? Um, How do we know what kind of facility we should even be looking for? Well, and this is something that everyone tends to procrastinate. You know, a lot of times... um, The parents are in denial, and we're in denial, and people want to just put that off. But to make sure that their wishes are known, it is important to do that, you know, early um, to make sure that you're talking about their legal documents that they have in place, whether you need to get some of those in order so that you can help take care of their care if the time comes. Um, And then researching facilities. um, Just visiting around communities together will let them have a say in what they're wanting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is important the the activities, the environment um, for them. Um, If they have an exercise program, you know, that may be important for some. And then others, food selection may be important. So just having them the opportunity to come tour around communities Mm -hmm. with you um, and know what's out there, you know, is important. So I would say just as early as you can. Mm -hmm. Now, prior to placement, you may want to go back because many times things change. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, right now with COVID, you know, there's different restrictions in place and they can do different things. Um, But I would just say as early as you can start that process with them together. Well, and then looking at that, do you pick a facility in the place where they're currently living or in the place where you're currently living? Like if you're living in different towns or does it really matter? It depends their support system there. Um, I've seen some people where they have a great church support and great friend support. And so placing them in their hometown is great because they're going to have people coming in and visiting. Mm -hmm. Now, as people age and as their friends age, they may have to make another move. Mm -hmm. So you need to discuss that. Are you wanting to do that at that time so that you can be more involved at Mm -hmm. that time? And so it's just really looking into their support system that they have there in place. Okay. That's really good. Um, And then another thing I was thinking about was when you have siblings involved, whether Mm -hmm. siblings that you were grown up with, or if your parents um, maybe got remarried and you have step siblings involved, how do you decide who makes what decisions? Well, a lot of times the parent is going to know who Uh (laughs) they trust to make their decisions. Um, And just opening that dialogue, because sometimes maybe it's the closest one, but Mm -hmm. somebody will be appointed that primary caregiver. So you would 
recommend having a primary yes. caregiver versus equal splitting. Yes, there there has to be somebody that's primary. Mm-hmm. Now, that primary should always, you know, consult with the others, but um it's really hard and I have gone through this, you know, with a grandfather um just to see, you know, the other siblings sometimes can't be involved. You know, mm-hmm. they're not local where they can be there for um, to be able to see that person on a regular basis. Um, so it is important to have that primary caregiver that can help with those doctor's appointments or help with whatever medical needs that are, you know, out there for them. So. Absolutely. That's good. Um, so when people have met with you about assisted care for themselves or a family member, what are some things that surprised them that they hadn't thought they needed to do or decide before? Well, sometimes it's finances. They think, oh, I have Medicare or Medicaid and that's going to be covered. And that's not the case, you know, depending on the level of care that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it may be the different services that are provided. Um, they give you a um, a rate and that is the rate that, you know, um, there's other things built on top of that. Gotcha. And then other times that w- that's um, more common that I've seen lately is just with pets. Um, people oh. think that pets are welcome in every community and a lot of communities, especially full care, they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then size may be a restriction. So if somebody has been living at home, you know, single in their home and they have a pet dog or cat, they may not be allowed to come live with them in the community. I didn't even think and about that's that. a friend, you know, that they've, been within their home. So yeah. Yeah, well, and it's you would, just a change. It makes sense because in a community, yeah. you can't take care of the people and the pets. It's going to add up right. and double your amount of things that you're taking care of. Right. Yeah. yeah. And typically, some, some places have where you can bring it in, but you have to be able to give it the care. And then other places don't allow them mm-hmm. um, just because of the level of care that they have there. So. so how do you know when it's the right time to transition to a facility? Um, there's a lot of factors that go into play with that. Um, sometimes it may be if you notice that mom or dad has, um, declined, um, cognitively, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, they're not taking their medicine properly, they're not eating properly. Um, they, um, may have more falls. Um, mm-hmm. there's a number of things that go into play with the medical aspect. And then just the mere isolation and loneliness, that causes more depression and um, anxiety and a lot of other things. So whenever they are in denial and don't want to move, um, a lot of times it is inevitable that it's the best for their care. How does it um, work if one parent is declining and needs to go to a facility and the other doesn't, but they don't want to separate? Are there facilities available that they could both go to, or do you just kind of have to talk them into, you can go visit them? Yes. No, there's a lot of communities that um, have even independent living, assisted living, and memory care. Okay. Um, so if one, if the spouse was in independent living and on the same campus, mm-hmm. there was a memory care community. If the spouse had even dementia, um, then they could go see that spouse more regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
That's very common, um, even in the assisted living environment. If two can live in assisted living together, then that's, you know, the ideal situation. Mm -hmm. But if not, or if they even need more of a break, then that's a situation that can be accommodated. And it helps to have them on the same campus. Yeah. Um, So what do you do when a parent is resistant to that move? Maybe they've lived in their home for 50 years, raised their kids there, all the things, um, and you want to either move them in with you or move them into a facility. How do you... I don't want to say force that because that seems so strong, but how do you strongly encourage that without being the bad guy? Well, many communities offer what's called respite care, and they can even go for a weekend to a one to two week stay. Um, If they're mentally capable of making that decision, then um, they could go in and um, see how they like it, you know, if it's the right community for them. And to give that spouse a break, you know, that's a great um, time for them to have a little break. And then a lot of times that goes into a permanent move at that time. That is so cool. I didn't even know that was a thing that you could go for temporary to see, hey, this is a good adjustment. So could you do that with several facilities if you you were looking? You could, yeah. Um, The majority of assisted livings do offer that, um, but you, you could visit different ones. You would get doctor's orders to be at that community. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then you can just encourage the parent to go visit. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so how do we help um, care for ourselves during a season of being a caregiver? Whether that is um, one spouse is declining, maybe they have dementia or Alzheimer's, um, or maybe they're just handicapped and require a lot of attention, uh, or maybe we're the child taking care of the parents and it's taking a lot of attention and a lot out of us. What are some things that we can do to not get burned out? Right. It's very easy to do, get burned out, Um, to reach out and know that there are resources out there, whether it's to bring in services to the home. There's many things that can be brought into the home um, and be able to um, help where the caregiver may can't help anymore. And then to do, I would encourage to do respite care or even, you know, through the Alzheimer's Alliance, they do a day program where you can do a day stay. Um, um, and then different communities offer that as well, where you can go just for the day to give that spouse a break mm-hmm. or that caregiver even a break, you know, for the day. That's awesome. Um, how, what do you do in a situation if you can't afford services? Um, are there any kind of programs or nonprofits that are available that can help with that? Yes, there are for respite stay. Mm-hmm. And then um, through the Alzheimer's Alliance and different organizations, they offer grant funding. Okay. Um, and... Um, there's several out there that do those can, apply just to respite stay or do they, can they also apply to like a facility? They apply to a facility for respite stay okay. and for day stay. Okay. But if you mm-hmm. were to move into a facility, those there's not, not a apply. lot. No, okay. you would have to go through, um, legal wise, making sure your funds are looked at and, um, in a trust manner, mm-hmm. um, and look at Medicaid if that was an issue. So does it help to have a lawyer involved? It can. Okay. Yes. How do you know when you should pull in a lawyer? Um, if you are looking at finances and finances is a need, or mm-hmm. even through the legal documents, you mm-hmm. may have one um, in place, and you could talk with that attorney at that time. That would be so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Extra yeah. resources. Yeah. Um, okay. So as the church, um, as friends and community, how can we help... Um, encourage and offer support both to declining parents and to caregivers? 
Um, for the declining parents, mm-hmm. I would just say to for the church to just be there to encourage and support and for the caregiver as well. Um, make sure that they're staying active and that they're staying involved in various activities. They need some time away. And if you notice that somebody isn't coming, you know, to Bible study or Sunday school, mm-hmm. just to really um, to encourage them to come. Um, and then to maybe even offer, if they're caring for somebody in their home, to make sure that do they need any help to come mm-hmm. in and maybe give them some time away. Yeah. Um, so that would be a good... I remember in high school, one of my friend's grandmother lived with them, yes. and she had declined rapidly. And so um, they kind of hired me to come in and babysit her. Um, But I would come in for a few hours, once or twice a week. We would watch TV or we would play um, Bananagrams or something together, cook her lunch. And then it kind of gave the mom, who was the primary caregiver, a chance to run some errands, go exercise, or do things like that. So you could even hire or ask somebody who's like a college student to come in and help with that. You were talking about finances. When finances are an issue, that's when it's very helpful for volunteers from the church or from your Sunday school class, you know, to come in and be an extension of that. Absolutely. So you could just put it out there. Hey, would anybody want to volunteer and come? Yeah, just an hour or two. Yeah, absolutely. That's helpful. Well, and they're really sweet. And you get them telling you their stories. And it's fun to hear some of their stories, even if you hear the same story multiple times. Yeah. 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 so what encouragement would you give to someone in this season of life? Um, I would just say be present. You don't have to be superhuman mm. um, because a lot of times they're focused on, I need to do more. I need to do more. What if I could do this and take care of them? And just focus on what you are currently doing and um, and. You know, you and you also have other people also that you probably are relying on you for help. Mm-hmm. Um, it, a lot of times it's that sandwich generation. So you're caring for your parent and you have children that you're taking care of. It's hard to balance. So, yeah. So just making sure that, you know, they are able to balance that. Um, and then don't be resistant to additional help. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were saying, asking for help from people, whether it's volunteers, bringing in additional services into your home um, to start that process. And then when it does come time to transition to a community, just know that um, that's a time also when they can thrive, mm-hmm. you know, whenever they are at home and they're lonely and um, being in a community might be a time when they can thrive and be around other people and do other activities and continue to exercise and um, just help them physically. Which is great because I think as caregivers, it's easy to feel guilt yes. and like you're doing something wrong or like it's a lot of pressure on you, yes. but you're right. These services were set up for a reason and they can right. be a huge benefit. They can. Um, and ultimately people want to help with your, the person you're caring for. And right. so opening that door to allow that, um, is so beneficial. Ashley, thanks for being here today. Is there anything that we, uh, maybe missed or anything else that you wanted to add? I can't think of anything. Okay. Well, Um, If they have questions, can they shoot you an email? They sure can. I'd love to share and point in the right direction. Um, There's a lot of resources out there that can be helpful. Um, Like Taylor said at the beginning, not every two situations are the same. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And, you know, your story may be different from another person's, but there's a lot of resources out there that can be utilized to help. Absolutely. Well, one thing we ask all of our guests before we close an episode is what is something you're loving and what is something you're learning? Well, and as it pertains to this, I just love helping people and just pointing them in the right direction because a lot of times people don't know where to start and don't know the resources that are out there. And being in the environment for 25 years, um, I know various resources that are out there that can be helpful. Absolutely. And then um, what is something you're learning right now? Well, I just continue to learn. Um, (laughs) I I try to learn, continue to stay up on everything new in the industry, and then um, also just learning about every situation is different and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, there's been some some stories that, <laughs> that I can tell, but every situation is different mm-hmm. and um, just helping people walk through that. I love it. So. Well, Ashley, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Equip Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode drops. And follow us on social media to stay connected. We're at GABC underscore women. See you next time.